words some no varuna she embarked on a successful naval journey a career spanning 10 years packed with action and adventures that one could only dream of she sailed through it all with grit determination joy and pride and after her successful tenures in the indian navy she gracefully moved on to take a plunge into her next phase of life preparing to serve her country in myriad ways possible please listen on to lieutenant commander bidisha pandey on our podcast call of duty real soldiers real stories where she shares her experiences in conversation with prakriti agrawal welcome to our podcast lieutenant commander bidisha pandey and this is the first time we are having a very young lieutenant commander in our podcast thank you so much i am so happy to be here to share my experiences and life in the navy so my first question is also very special your name bidisha i believe there is a place in madhya pradesh also any story behind your name uh, so interestingly my name is uh, not related to the place in madhya pradesh it is more of a special direction it is vishesh disha but it starts with a b since i am a bengali beautiful and you rightly are living up to your name you have taken a special direction tell me what inspired you your childhood story as a child i grew up in a military environment my father served as an army officer uh, so i already saw him in uniform every day morning the uniform that he used to wear the stars on his shoulders everything was absolutely inspiring to me right from the beginning and uh, i did not just know how glorious the uniform looks but also the hard work that goes into it because there was a lot of responsibility that came along with that respect also that it is not just a job or a career that stops uh, at a given time duration like 9 to 5 but it goes beyond that it is a 24 into 7 thing uh, but given that armed forces was not really my aim right from the childhood it was just in the last semester of my engineering that a team from indian navy had come to the campus and uh, this was the university entry scheme so it was actually the service selection board which really uh, made me decide or finalize my choice because i really loved how they selected people I'm sure your dad would have been really proud of you. So any advice that he gave you before you went for the SSB? When I got the call for SSB, I asked my father how to prepare for it and he just told me that it is a personality fit test. You cannot really prepare for SSB because if you have the personality that matches what is required in the forces, you will be through. You just have to be your authentic self and there is no point faking because there is so much of assessment which is going to happen. If you fake, you are definitely out. Yeah, on the physical front, you may have to keep yourself a bit fit. You start running, you start waking up in the morning because all the tests happen in the morning hours. So fitness-wise, you can train yourself. That was the most important piece of advice that I got from my father. Wonderful. 
and i think ssb also thought the same when uh, they were selecting you uh, that they are getting an awesome candidate and uh, now moving on to the training so how was the training training was a lot more hectic we did not have any time for ourselves right from the morning till night you would be either doing sit ups or you would be running somewhere you would be doing pt there would be parade you would be studying and then there are punishments of 100 kinds going on in the academy so it used to just keep you busy all the time and uh, there were a lot of new things like there was horse riding or jumping off 7 meters heights or boxing Uh, shooting those were the things we had never done before so those things were also happening simultaneously and i think at the end of it you feel like a superhero because anybody who tells you before you join the academy that you know you, will you be able to do all of this if anyone would have asked me i would have said no because i did not imagine myself doing all of that when you together go through all those hardships i think it becomes a lot more easier to strive through it to actually accomplish all those goals together i'm sure being together helps but still how did you motivate each other when uh, you were feeling low whenever we used to feel any pain or any kind of discomfort during the training we would remind ourselves remind each other to think about the passing out parade just imagine the day when your parents come and attend that parade and you have those stripes on your shoulders so that is what we are here for and that is what kept us going throughout tell me about this uh, post operation and supply chain specialist as i have heard uh, many uh, stories from our previous guest also about you know getting uh, the stuff on donkeys or on convoy of trucks so uh, tell us how does it happen on water in the navy we have the operational platforms which are ships submarines and aircrafts so the supply chain is mostly for the equipments and machinery for these operational bases so we are basically supporting these bases like if something goes wrong with an equipment or machinery on board a ship or a submarine then you are supposed to provision it so that it can go into the ops mode as soon as possible that is the core duty but other than that there is ration there is food and clothing all of this also comes under logistics pay and allowances so these are also some duties that uh, come under the logistics card working as a logistics officer any special memory or funny incident that you still hold close to your heart so interestingly on the depot ships or the regular work of a logistics officer things were interesting but there is a routine procedure that we follow but i had participated in this international expedition which was the cape to rio uh, sailing expedition so basically there was this 17 meter sailing boat supposed to sail from goa to cape town cape town to rio rio to cape town and back from cape town to goa so there were these four legs So I was chosen for the return leg from Cape Town to Goa because I was a logistics officer I was asked to do the procurement for those 33 days at sea which I think was the toughest task because the whole rationing of that six member crew and it's a small boat in the middle of the ocean and uh, the journey is supposed to take around 30 to 40 days we took 33 days but i catered for ration uh, for around 45 days but i think that was very interesting to do to actually calculate and we had to uh, purchase all the stuff from cape town so we couldn't get the uh, food that we get in india 
it was more of you know going to the super stores and shops and finding out what would suit better so i went with my skipper so basically his skipper is the senior most officer who's going to sail i remember he was the one who was like uh, guiding me because he had been sailing for a very long time so his inputs were also very important things like you know the perishable date of fresh fruits and vegetables like beyond 2 weeks they are not going to be fresh enough for consumption so that is why you can't take fruits catering to 45 days you'll only take for 14 days a lot of calculations go into it it's like two bottles of water per person per day two bottles of cooking uh, water <laughs> like water which will be used for cooking on board i had never done a logistics calculation in that detailed uh, a manner it was only for sailing that particular event that uh, i remember so that was i think a challenging as well as interesting so after the shopping after the procurement tell me how was your voyage from cape town to goa what were the difficulties or what were the fun moments while you were sailing so sailing is something that i'm glad i took up while i was in the navy because i'm sure i will never be able to do that again in my whole life and it had both uh, good experiences as well as bad experiences when we started from cape town uh, we were hit by a storm that area is actually prone to stormy weather i remember for 3 to 4 days it was all choppy seas and then we were only preparing khichdi and having khichdi and we were on our toes those 3 4 days it was like the water was coming on board and we were dressed up in that gear which keeps us both warm and dry and then uh, nobody was able to sleep because there was so much of rolling and pitching happening on board those 2 to 3 days were really tough and i was new to sailing when i volunteered for this expedition i had never really faced that kind of a weather condition i think two of the people were experienced four of us were new to it so the experienced ones were like you know it's going to become all right but in my heart i was really scared i was like i don't know whether i'm going to come out alive out of this because it is right in the middle of the ocean and it is very difficult to ask for assistance because to track that boat in the middle of the ocean very difficult to rescue Yes it is it was scary and that was in the beginning itself but once that storm finished i think again six of us were not really knowing each other the crew members and we were at different seniority levels but <laughs> once the storm finished we were almost like family members that again helped us bond so every time in the forces i think uh, the more the hardship the stronger the bonding among the people thankfully that was the only storm in the first couple of days after that it was more of a duty watch system which we were following because there were just four bunks inside the boat and six of us were there so two of us uh, were on duty uh, always so two people would be on duty four people would either be sleeping if it is night time or they would be cooking or doing other things so that is how we managed and the experience was totally different because there is no internet connection you just speak to each other or you are just you know on your own writing doing things we also caught fresh fish from the sea while we, we were in the indian ocean and we cooked it and we had it then we had a photo with navigation board where we are just pointing out that yeah it's zero degree with the equator crossing thing so yes that was fun overall i think the experience was really nice a lot of different things unique things and i think my tenure would have been incomplete without it had i not seen life at sea This sounds really cool. It's very coincidental that I was just 
reading a book diary of mp k deep end and in that they are moving in a camper van and again you know uh, he is wondering about the waste management and how you know if poop overflows so i was just wondering what is the capacity on the camper van and then this thing came up so how does that work on the sea you have the cooking waste and then you have our uh, human excreta so how do you dispose all that off basically a very tiny washroom is there and the waste is kept on board it is just that it is not flushed out just like that but it is i think the lower most deck where the connection goes so it would not come to you it is not that we are going and then there's stink coming out all over the boat the plastics and all again we used to keep it separately again uh, for the clothes and uh, washing of clothes drying of clothes again somewhere on the boat each of us had our areas that you know washroom i think we were very particular about the cleanliness of the washroom i remember that we were put on duties like six of us were there so washroom cleaning duties also used to be there so even as officers you were cleaning toilets there so it was like no matter what the seniority is all six of us were doing even when you're cooking it's a lot messier than the normal cooking because the platform is moving all the time there's a lot of spillage there is you know things falling left right and center so i think a lot of time was spent on wood clean ship i think we got used to it after a while you develop sea legs they call it sea legs when you are like used to the rolling and pitching in fact after the 33 days uh, when uh, we reached goa we were finding this table platform also unstable tell me about this women in maritime award yeah that was from the international maritime organization so they had an event uh, which was celebrating women in maritime in 2019 i think and that event was in mumbai so they basically honored women both from merchant navy as well as indian navy and because of the expedition and uh, the fact that i led the naval contingent in rd parade twice so all of that combined they thought i am one of the worthy people so that is how they called me So could you share your experience about that moment I am sure that must have been really a proud moment for both you as well as your parents So Republic Day parade again is very close to my heart uh, because as a child I had gone with my father and attended Republic Day parade in person and I used to love these uh, troops these uh, aircrafts that used to fly and I never imagined that I'll get a chance to march on Rajpath as soon as i reported to my first establishment after the logistics specialization training in visakhapatnam uh, during that time there was a notification from navy that had come uh, regarding republic day parade 2013 and then for the republic day parade they basically look at two qualities mainly first is the height and then there is drill so i think i fulfilled those two criteria and i was a very young officer i was a sub lieutenant that time and i had hardly spent i think 2 to 3 weeks in my new unit but my commanding officer said that look this is a once in a lifetime opportunity so i am recommending your name and you must go ahead with it and make sure you march on rajpath so he uh, showed that trust and then uh, we went on to Chilka so Chilka is in Odisha we have a base there so the preliminary one month training happened in Chilka and then we moved to Delhi so in Chilka again uh, on the highway every morning at around you know 4 o'clock we would start marching there was this highway they would block it and then the whole contingent would be marching so there are 144 uh, sailors and four officers leading the contingent 
and around 10 to 12 of us are uh, called from different units and then depending on who's doing the drill better they do their selections even three four days before the rd parade you're not very sure who's actually going to lead because they always have standby and then the main officers but they would finalize it right in the end so in 2013 i was not marching i was not leading i was in the beating uh, retreat ceremony which happens on the 29th of january that is more of uh, Unfurling the national flag at Vijay Chowk, that was also a very big event for me because it was again live on national television and you march alone with the flag. Subsequently, in 2013, I did not uh, lead the contingent. Next year, I was again called and then in 2014, I ended up leading the contingent. Again, in 2015, it was an all-women contingent because 2015 was a special year in which Army, Air Force and Navy, all three had all-women contingents. So there were, instead of sailors, it was 144 women officers who were there in the contingent. And I think that uh, is very, very special to me because I don't know when will it happen the next time. I mean, it was once in a lifetime thing happening. And also, I think it made a lot of impact on all the young women who must have seen us march that day. Because all three contingents had so many women officers, you know, the people would have never seen so many women officers march together ever before. So I think it was a great step, even from the government. It really showed the strength of women. You talked a little about the practice time, that first it was in Chilka and then in Delhi. Please tell how rigorous was that? The routine during RD parade is such that you wake up somewhere at 3 in the morning. And then at 3.30, I would be like wearing uh, boots and uh, two pairs of socks, crepe bandage, boots. Because you will have blisters on your feet while you march so much, I mean, kilometers and kilometers. And especially in Delhi, it was so cold. It was so tough. In Chilka, it was still doable. So that is why they make you practice in Chilka first. And then you move to Delhi. But in Delhi also, we used to see sunrise while marching every day. Then they would have a kind of tea break. Then again, you would, you know, march a bit more. And that is how the rehearsals uh, are super hectic. Uh, I think those two to three minutes or seconds, in fact, that people see on the television of a perfectly coordinated, you know, March past happening, a lot of effort goes into it. It's like two, two and a half months of hard work going to create that kind of a synchronous March past, which is seen on the TV on the final day. And we are also under tremendous pressure on the final day because you've practiced so much. But if you make a mistake and the cameras are on you and the whole nation is watching you, <laughs> you, you wouldn't want that to happen. But when you march and when you see the Delhi crowd, they're cheering for you on both the sides makes it all worth it. I mean, whatever hard work that you have put into it, I think you really feel you have accomplished something in life that day. I'm just curious again, you had such an adventurous and happening tenure. So why only 10 years? In the beginning itself, there are two types of entries. There's short service commission and that there is permanent commission. So the short service commission is basically 10 years, extendable up to 14. And the permanent commission is the one where you can serve up till the age of your retirement. So uh, when I joined the Navy, I knew this was short service commission. And I think I joined with a mindset, I'll make the most of these 10 years. Also, I have a deep satisfaction that I did a lot in the Navy. I am totally satisfied and I have zero regrets. 
even my father jokes about it sometimes he says that you know i was a permanent commissioned officer he did not do so many adventurous things and he was like i don't know how did you manage this in 10 years but i think i've been lucky and blessed to have been able to achieve all of this in 10 years and i've really learned a lot be it being a good leader good communicator or whether it is adaptability lot of other skills which generally can't be learned through textbooks or in a different kind of environment i mean this environment you would not find anywhere else so yes i'm i'll be eternally grateful to navy and i look forward to using all of this wherever i go next you did live every moment to the fullest in the navy and now after listening to the story of lieutenant commander bidisha i'm intrigued to know more about bidisha as an individual what are your hobbies so my hobbies are generally blogging and traveling i would just say these two blogging was more about my life stories and i think these two are interconnected because in the end i just want my life to be a very beautiful story to be remembered i make sure that i do a lot of traveling or try experimenting with different kinds of things and then write about all these things because i believe recording is also very important you know to go back to those memories you should have records of it so in my life it's a lot about uh, trying new things whether it is places whether it is food whether it is hobbies i'm always open to trying new things talking about trying new things now you are doing this very interesting course in london about entrepreneurship and innovation so how are you finding this new experience so this is again a completely different experience because right now i am with students from different countries from different cultures and i am again at that stage where i am absorbing a lot from these people not just the study part of it but also the cultural part of it or viewpoints on different subjects and i have really made very good friends from all across the world in the last 8 to 9 months you know they become very excited when they hear that i have served in the military in india because few of them come from countries where women do not serve in the military and there are a few again come from the countries where women are even on board submarines so you are somewhere in between the course per se is masters in prosperity innovation and entrepreneurship and i took up this course because i was more interested in social entrepreneurship during my naval tenure i worked for naval widows and ex servicemen it was an additional duty assigned to me in visakhapatnam when i moved to mumbai from visakhapatnam in my final tenure i was volunteering with an organization an ngo which is veer nari shakti resettlement organization so this ngo works for again a, a widows upliftment so i think from there i started gaining interest in social entrepreneurship and i thought this would be exciting to pursue after my career in the military then i shortlisted a couple of courses in uk and a couple of scholarships here and i ended up getting the commonwealth scholarship and i can study here and then i can go back to my home country and then maybe i'll resume my work in the field of social entrepreneurship wow and i read about the scholarship and it is given to only 400 people across the commonwealth country so really commendable and with that a big thank you to lieutenant commander bidisha for sharing her thoughts her experiences thank you so much for having me uh, in this program and i really love the work that you all are doing because i think there is a lot of information gap that happens with regard to life and forces 
it is not exactly what is portrayed and what we see on television and other places when the youth today needs to know what exactly happens in the forces this was episode 12 which marks one year of our podcast call of duty real soldiers real stories if you are liking our podcast please do share with your friends and family and support us keep listening